Welcome to the Making a Runner podcast. I'm your host, Nick, a running specialist, biokineticist, and coach. And I'm your co-host, Davey, aka Davey on the Run, a running enthusiast, influencer, and marathoner, and I love everything about running. As passionate runners, we look to use our knowledge and draw on past experiences to provide you with cutting-edge science and insightful information. We are going to be unpacking the fascinating topic of running with all-stars, subject matter experts, and everyday enthusiasts to not only help you improve your running, but also ensure that you experience maximum joy with every step that lies ahead in your journey, wherever that may take you. This is how runners are made. It's how runners are made, baby. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But I think that you've got this instantaneous, gone and then gone again, relationship with almost every spectator. They, they, they just shout out your name, and it's that instant little relationship. It, it's a millisecond, and then you're gone. You, I know you haven't told me your time yet, but your honest time, not your, not your nonsense time, not the time that you would like the club to believe in, the time that's in your heart. You write that time, and you're going to put it on your fridge. Go and put it on your mirror where you shave in the morning. Go and put it wherever, wherever you're going to see it, around your house. You want to see that time. You want to see that time. It is only that time. But what do you mean by, am I prepared to go and blow it? I think it's one of the maxims of life here. If you're not prepared to fail, you're unlikely to succeed. This is the crunch time now of comrades training. We're in the absolute crunch time. This is the big time. We're in like nine weeks to go, hey. And therefore, if you're not running tired right now, you're not training properly. Nicola! <laughs> Davey. What's up? Tonight. Tonight. Tell me about this morning. This morning. Oh, gosh. <laughs> 3 a.m. start for you, my man. That was disgusting. Yeah, no, it was... The, the runs are getting longer during the midweek. On a Wednesday, bro. Yeah, no, I was nowhere at work today. It's absolutely cuck. No, it's been a hectic time trying to fit everything in. Work. Laugh. Everything. Uh, wife. But, well, no, wife makes it very easy, fortunately. Um, but um, yeah, like it, the, the running, yeah, wife's in the studio. The <laughs> running has been very difficult in terms of just trying to fit it all in and time commitments and life commitments getting in the way. But yeah, this morning was, was a good run, I guess. It was ticking the box. Body's the feeling box. good. Yeah. Davey's feeling a bit buggered. I feel like a donkey. But as we learned in today's uh, conversation, it's, it's a good sign. It's a very good sign. Because uh, we talk everything about comrades training today and comrades preparation and the mentality. And, you know, we figured out Davey and I aren't, aren't very experienced when it actually comes to comrades. I mean, I, I might have a bit of knowledge. and You have and one run. I've and it was an up run. <laughs> <laughs> You're so, technically a, a, a newbie. So we actually we decided to bring in the, the most experienced, <laughs> arguably the most experienced runner that Comrades has ever had in its entire almost 100-year history. 40 consecutive Comrades. Not 40. It's, sorry, it says that on That's the book. book, which was published in 2012. It's 47. Okay, I thought it was 47. <laughs> 47 Comrades. If it wasn't for COVID, this year would be his 50th. Mr. Barry Holland, absolute legend of the sport. So inspiring to sit by him today and, and chat about his, his history with comrades, his passion that he has for the sport and just the, the pure and utter knowledge that he, that he yeah. oozes. The, no, the knowledge is incredible. And I think for anybody that's uh, running their first comrades or looking for comrades inspiration, there were several points in this, uh, in this show that I just got goosebumps because the stories are really quite overwhelming 
but the the insight is just really going to get you super super pumped got me super pumped yeah. i i am more excited than i've ever been so yeah and and if there's one thing that barry stands for is really running longevity <laughs> since since the age of uh 18 when he first started trying to train and 20 his first comrades now at the age of 70 still running comrades i mean making a runner for longevity making a runner for longevity <laughs> that's what we talk about today as well don't we 100 percent. so enjoy the show guys barry holland Thank you so much for being in, in studio with us tonight. We're, we're very excited to start this uh, comrades-based conversation with you, sir. It's my pleasure. And, uh, you know, Davey and I being a bunch of comrades noobs, really, we, I've run one. I've, <laughs> da- I've run none. Davey's run none. He, he wanted to do 2020, but obviously we know what happened in 2020. Yep. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, comrades. Why, why is it such a special race, Barry? I think Nick, it's uh, it's special because it's so hard. Uh, if it, we always say it quite uh, quite glibly, I think. But if it was easy, everybody would do it and could do it. But but they can't. And I often say to to lots of runners in the mornings when we run as well that that you know actually running comrades itself is not that hard. Training for comrades is very very hard. Mm. It takes a huge amount of dedication, discipline, uh, you know, self discipline, um, and all of those things that you that you take out of your life and take back into your life. Uh, lots of lessons that cross over between your normal daily living and and your sport. And uh, I, I, I mean, I would love to get get into those later in in the show. But for for our listeners, perhaps that you know are new to running or perhaps have a long-term goal of wanting to do comrades. So I've done comrades before. Let's just go back to the, to the start of it. So comrades is one of the world's oldest ultra marathons. Is that correct? Absolutely. So the very first comrades was actually on the 24th of May, 1921. Um, that was uh, in those days called Empire Day. And uh, then obviously many, many years later, uh, we ran comrades on the 31st of May when it became Republic Day. And then, as you know, it moved on to other dates uh, after that, but always around about the end of May, June, etc. So so the early days of comrades were right from 1921. Very first comrades, only 34 runners lined up outside the, the Maritzburg City Hall. And in fact, uh, last year we had the most beautiful commemorative run for the hundredth, uh, the, the hundredth year the of comrades. Not, not, yeah, not not the not the hundredth comrades, of course, but the hundredth year of comrades because they missed the we missed the war years, mm. um, and of course then we've had the COVID years as well. When in a sense we've been fighting another world war, but mm. uh, but yeah, so that was fantastic. So we had thirty-four runners. Uh, all dressed up in the old original kit with the funny white shorts and the funny <laughs> and the west vests with the the big black number like a very simple 204 type of thing you know it was incredible and we ran from the city hall to comrades house about 3k's absolutely amazing fantastic day and i mean at at the start of it all run, running was different to what it is today is it not very different uh, and people say to me often it, was comrades better then? Was comrades better now? I, I, I don't think it's better either way. They're just different, your word now. It's just very different. I grew up in an era of comrades when we had our own seconds. There were no seconding tables. You had, if you didn't have a second out there on a, on a motorbike, whatever, you, that's it. You died out there because you, you had nothing. So there were no seconding tables. Very, very different. Obviously, my first comrades, uh, less than less than 1,000 runners, 900 and something odd runners in, sure. my, in my first comrades. So, yeah, uh, you know, a, a much smaller and and in fact my first comrades we were really into the big running boom 
had started in America already. So, so running numbers were up hugely already. And what year was that, Barry? 73, 1973. 1973. So I'd been, and I've been running since 73 every single year and apart from the COVID years. And how, yeah. how many is that? 47. 47. 47. 47. 47. Are you not tired? <laughs> Are you not over it? I'm tired because I run with you in the morning, baby. So, well, I try to. I try to. 47 consecutive comrades. Yeah. Um, I mean, that is an absolutely legendary feat. The amount of time and dedication that it takes to go about training for one comrade. I mean, Davey will, will tell you a little bit I'm about that. I'm over it. I'm over it already. <laughs> so, I mean, to, to find that type of commitment and dedication, I mean, what, what kept you going every, every single time? Was it time-based? Was it just the overall experience? And have you ever, thought you know i want to i want to stop this i have so so let me try and answer there's a bunch of questions in there but yeah very interesting i think what keeps you going is very much i think if you were given some talent and obviously we were all given different amounts of talent we all sit on the continuum uh very few have got what four dice has got and and lots of people at the bottom of the well with, with <laughs> almost nothing um and and everybody else all of us sit in a line along the way and i my first comrades were 752 so i realized sure. that i could run a bit and we didn't get the kind of mentoring that a lot of our guys get today and the help and sort of thing we were just just go and put your tackies on and go and run so but having run a kind of half reasonable time I'd, i said to myself you've got some talent now you've got to go and run a silver and and all of those things so then i had a couple of hiccups you know with uh, got flu got bitten by a spider some mm. things like that and then eventually on my fourth run ran a silver but i ran not just as i ran 709 so now i was already quite close to to, to seven, seven hours yeah. and and then i spent many many years chasing that sub seven and i, I couldn't get that right and eventually got it right but so the years kind of just tick by because you're, you're looking for that, that goal all the time. You're, you're trying to achieve the goal. And I certainly wouldn't have given up until I'd got that goal. And then once I got past the seven hours, we'd worked out, I'd worked out certainly that, that by all of my times, my shorter distance times, because, you know, you can predict your comrades right from your 8K time trial time. My best 8K time trial is 27.11. That, that extrapolates right down the column that will give you your best 32k time your best yeah. marathon time your best ultra distance to ultra marathon time your best comrades time they all they all sit in like one column they won't they won't jump around they all they're all married to each other so once i had worked out what i could do potentially best at comrades which the best i could do worked out on the charts to be 626 so then I was hell-bent on running <laughs> under six and a half hours. So Absolutely hell-bent. I, I just want to ask, obviously you've done 47 comrades in a row, right? Mm. With, with the training that I'm doing at the moment, the longer distances, I've also found that my, my shorter distances are being affected and I'm not running as fast. So you, you've mentioned before that, I mean, you, you're quite talented also in 5,000 meters, 10,000 meters, those faster times. But were you able to keep your pace during the years that you're obviously doing comrades training for that because that's also a long period or did you sort of plateau during it and and you, and you also realized that you couldn't really do faster times and you were just ma mainly an ultra distance runner Debbie, i think i think you do lose speed there's no doubt you lose speed but not not really dramatically if you um if you keep working at that speed now i know you guys do a lot of speed work and as long as you stay keeping with that speed work, you'll be absolutely fine. Uh, our, I know you guys don't do a lot of it, but we had a benchmark run every single week. Ran an eight, we had ran an 8K time trial 
every single week of, of our lives. And then we did Fartlek uh, Association, I loved as well. We did a lot of hill work. Uh, we did some track work, work on the track that you guys are doing a lot of now. We didn't sort of do it as much as, as you are doing it. But so we try to maintain our speed yeah. because your times at Comrades will still come from running fast. You can't expect your body to go and run fast on Comrades Day unless sure, you train, yeah. train fast in other sessions. So was that 8K time trial every single week as hard as you, as hard as you could go? No, not, not as hard as you could go every week. We, we would look to run under 30 minutes. That would be our, our sort of benchmark, under 30. Um, and then we would then push to, say, go down to 29, 30, get down to 29. My fastest time up at the, up at, uh, in Gauteng was, I think, 28, 13 or something like okay. that. So my 27 limb was down here in Durban. So, so we would, as we got closer to comrades, we would yeah. push harder into those because I would be measuring my, I'd be measuring my comrades' time by what I could get down to in the 8K time trial. Okay, mm. but, interesting. And I, I mean, I just want to take it back to the start of your comrades' journey. So you, I know you mentioned you had some some really good runs, a, a, a really outstanding first run out. I mean, to go a, and run close to a silver. I mean, under eight hours on your first comrades with, I mean, like you say, minimal knowledge of what was coming your way. It's quite incredible and no super shoes <laughs> no yeah. super shoes yeah uh minimal mentoring like you're saying i think nowadays guys are very pampered uh, they they know exactly what they're going into i know it's it's hard to s actually know when you are there it's completely different yeah but uh i mean for you barry i know that reading your book and i, I want to just give a shout out to the book because i think it's a great book the barry holland story and it, it speaks about your your 40 comrades and uh, you know you mentioned that you weren't necessarily the most athletic and and sporty individual growing up due to obviously chances but also i mean you had your your issues with your with your sight what what was that point where you decided i'm going to do comrades it's quite a, it's quite an exceptional story that you do mention can you can you just briefly talk to us about that yeah, I, I think my start was incredible because my start was born of the most iconic moment in Comrades history. In 100 years of Comrades history, there was a win by a guy called Marnie Kun who won Comrades by one second. And he, he beat Tommy Malone, who I knew, I didn't know Marnie particularly well, but I was, I was very good mates with Tommy Malone, who's now since passed away. And Tommy had won Comrades in 65, okay, 1965. And this was 1966, and the, the finish of the race was at the uh, DLR, DLR, the RDLR, the Royal Durban Light Infantry uh, setup, which is in the middle of Durban's Gravel Racecourse. And they had come down off the barrier and run around and, and come into the gate, uh, and, and Tommy had rushed down towards the, towards the finish line. And there's this incredible photograph uh, that, that is iconic. It's, it's, he's collapsed. And uh, more than likely four meters from the line, three to four meters from the line. And he's trying to get up and, he, and he's got this hand out and he, he's, he's launching himself in the air, uh, stretching for the line. And as he's stretching, he's not up yet, he's still on his one knee. As he is stretching for the line, Moni Kun flashes past him and, and wins the race. No, that's and, brutal though. Let and, me and I was, giving me the book here. Yeah, yeah, and, and there's the photograph. And I was, oh I was a little guy of uh, 13 uh, watching between people's legs and Tommy virtually fell at my, at my feet. <laughs> so I was part of a piece of history which was just 
absolutely, as I said, the most iconic moment of, 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 of Comrades history. There's no shadow of a doubt. What a one second win or loss, if you like, you know, just amazing. So I, I decided that day I had to be part of this thing. I just had to be. So you'll hear in the background that we've got a little bit of a, a familiar South African sound. That's how you know that we are a proudly South African podcast. Load shedding. The, the generators kicked in, but here we are. We're carrying on the conversation with uh, Barry, the man, the legendary man himself. Not even ESCON can keep us down, eh? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we, we were just chatting about that incredible story of our Barry literally witnessed history at it fall at his feet and it sort of ignited his, his passion for wanting to do this uh, legendary race so how old were you you said 13 at that stage when i which when that happened tommy malone go yeah. down yeah absolutely and but then of course in those days uh, nick could run comrades when you were 18 oh could not, you not you know today is 20 but it yeah. was 18 then is it 20 20 now yep so well, I learned something new. Look at yeah. that already. Took that one. Yeah. But now I was 18 in those days. So when I turned, was turning 18, uh, my birthday's in March. So Commerce was in May. So I knew I could start training and I'd be legal by the time I got to. And I started training. I lived with my parents in Durban North. And this leads to, to Regent Harriers and, and how I started with them. Because I, I, I lived with my folks and I went out and I started training. And I trained for two weeks. And I didn't see a soul. Not a soul in the, on the streets of Durban North. Not a soul. Uh, you know, dark mornings, whatever. And I, after two weeks, I just said, no, this is a rubbish sport. This is absolute nonsense. I mean, who can, who can do this sport? You don't, you don't <laughs> see anybody, you don't talk to anybody. It's like, it's like nonsense. So I gave it up. And then the next year, I was turning 19. And I said, no, 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 no. I, I've got to do this thing. I, you know, I'm not the kind of guy that gives up on things easily like that. So I said, no, I'm going out. And I trained. I was 19. I trained for three weeks. Exactly, exactly the same thing. I didn't see a soul out there, not a soul. And I really was then well, convinced. At, at what time were you running? No, normal five o'clock in the morning. And I mean, I just thought this is the most insane, stupid sport. I've heard about the, long, the loneliness of the long distance runner, but this is taking it to a, a ridiculous degree. I'm sorry. So I stopped. But you know what, Dave? It was in me. So I just said, I'm going back. And I was 20 and I was training for comrades. And the same thing was about to happen, really was. I, was. I was just about to give up. And I ran around a corner one morning and there were 30 guys in the road, 30 runners in the road. And I said, now, who are you lot? And they said, no, we're the Regent Harriers. I said, where, were you, where have you been for two years? And they said, well, no, we run here and there. We, incredible. The statistics of not bumping to them are just amazing because we all lived in Durban North and it's not that big a suburb. And uh, I met Regents and the rest is like history. I mean, I joined them from the next morning. It yeah. was absolutely fantastic. What that, a, that gave me goosebumps. What a, what a, what a group of guys. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. Just perfect timing. Hey? Yeah, it just yeah. happened. I mean, as, like you say, as you were on the cusp of giving up yeah, again, absolutely. Uh, I, I could, put them in your way. And I, and I honestly do say that, that had I not bumped into, into them that morning, I wouldn't be sitting here now with the record for the most medals in history and all of those lovely things and everything. I, I just, you know, I wouldn't be because I, I had finally decided that, that, you know, whether DNA is in your, you know, I, I say DNA is in every Durban boy's blood and, and, and yeah. his body and, and, and you have to go and run comrades at some stage in your yeah, life. But, yeah. but I, I was really gutful by then, a good South African saying. I was gutful. I just had enough of this is nonsense. It's a crazy sport. And for the next morning, I loved the sport for the rest of my life. Absolutely fantastic, you know. And Davy, is that why you? Is that, that DNA the reason why you wanted to do comrades? Do you know what? Like, I was actually just going to ask Barry that because we are so fortunate to live in Durban and have 
you know, one of the most iconic ultra distance road races in the entire world. Like, I mean, there's there's running tours from all over the world that come to Durban to run Comrades. And I think we have such a good running community based around Comrades. So for me, I, I'm so excited. I really am. And I think just being, you know, from Durban and all the history and, and you feel like it is your race. So I do feel like it's like not, not a rite of passage, I would say, but it's like, I don't know. I can't, I can't really explain it, but no, I, I think, it, feels, I think it feels a bit more special. You've, you got, know, you've got the right words because I think as a Durban boy, and I feel the same way, I was born and bred in Durban North, and then I went to Johannesburg for 37 years, and obviously I ran the greater majority of my comrades when I was not in the province, out of the province, but I still feel that as a Durban boy, comrades is yours. Yeah. Uh, that, that the other guys are visitors. You know, yes. and I was a visitor, no, visitor for, for 37 years. So uh, you're 100% right. Uh, it is a rite of passage. It's, uh, it's just the most wonderful thing. Hopefully, everybody who's brave enough goes to do it once. Mm. I, and I very much doubt that it, it, very few people ever run one comrades. Very, and very few. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's infectious, is it not? Because here's, here's Davey talking about being born and bred in Durban. When I started running, I mean, I watched the comrades every now and then on, on the TV, but I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't big into running. I mean, I grew up in, in Durban since the age of 12, but it was the infectious nature of the club that I joined here in Belita, the Dolphin Stradas, of, you know, you have 50, 60, 80 people rocking up in the morning all to do this crazy thing of training for this ultimate human race. And it's, it's so infectious. You just feel like you can't miss out on it. And all of a sudden you're on the road at, Four in the morning now. Things are getting absolutely crazy. <laughs> I was up at three a.m. this morning <laughs> to go running. To go running, <laughs> oh. and, and and you know if you if you unpack that, you'll find that yes, comrades is maybe the the starter in that whole process, but what drives you on every morning is the camaraderie. The, yeah. What you talk about being our, part of our club. I've, I've been blessed to be a member of two fantastic clubs in my life. I've only been a member of three, uh, but Savages, which is a wonderful, wonderful club. I was a member of only a couple of years before I left to go to Joburg in 1976. And then I was a member of JP Quantum. And then mm. when I came back down here, obviously Dolphins. And two incredible clubs. And it's the camaraderie in the morning. It's, it's what gets you out of bed. And you know you're going to meet your mates. And, and, and there's no thing that says, oh, that, that, you, know, you have to be there. There's nothing yeah. that says you have to be there. There's no rules. There's, it's not school. You know, it's not, you, you just pitch up, but you know if you're not there. Yeah. You know you've missed. But and, you, and you know what's funny? Like, when, so this morning I, I was at a bit at 3 a.m., right? Meeting Nick at 4 <laughs> in Belito, blah, blah, blah. But like, it's so funny how you wake up and you're almost like excited to be out of bed at 3 a.m. because you know you're on a journey. Like, people are like, oh, but, but why? And you know why, and you can't explain it to anybody else. And what I also find fascinating is that, so my fiance, she, she doesn't quite understand like what I'm doing, like with running in general, right? And you find that surprising? <laughs> no, well, no. But what I find surprising is that typically she would like kind of maybe like have a few things to say about like my busy running schedule and like I must make more time for the family and all of that. But, but now with comrades training, she's like totally on board because she knows it's a goal. that this is like, the mecca for for a running or this is like it's just so special to a runner so she i mean she's been the most supportive that she's ever been in in my running journey and and it is it's like it's it's something that you you know you work towards we we've pretty much been training the whole year for this it's going to be it's, it's in august so we spend 
what I mean like 60 or 70 percent of the year training just for this one event and it's just it's an, an, an infectious day for everybody spectators Absolutely. seconders people running it people watching it mm. the people involved so I'm, yep. I'm not surprised why people do it 47 times in a row <laughs> but Dave the, the, the fantastic thing about about comrades and about South Africa of course is the uniqueness of comrades yeah. and yes we get some visitors from come around the world but, but you know when we get 20,000 people out there on comrades they they, they 19,000 South Africans, shall we say. And there's a massive difference between us and overseas. So overseas, you're measured by your marathon time. Yes. In South Africa, you'll, you'll be in a conversation with runners and, and they'll say maybe you raise the issue of marathons and marathon times. And you'll say, well, so what's your marathon time? Okay, so I've run 250 or 255 or three and a half. It doesn't matter what it is. And they say... Yeah, okay. But what's your comrade's time? What's your comrade's What's your comrade's time? And that's the first. Overseas, they, they think we are completely and utterly nuts, 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 nuts. You're going to run two marath- marathons. Marathon. Plus a bit at the end, so a little bit of vat at the end. You've got to add some vat on. And, and, and then you've got comrades. And they are in all of the situation. And that's South Africans. I mean, we are measured by comrades. We're not measured yeah, by marathons. It's like... It's like yeah, it is true. Like a marathon is like a, like a, a very common thing. I mean, we, we run a marathon runners. most weekends now, Davey. But no, it's true. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, overseas, people will have like one of their bucket list items, it's life goals, is to run deal. a marathon. And we like, we use that as a qualifier. <laughs> That's yeah. what you have to qualify with. Absolutely. So, so, I mean, the question that begs to be answered always is, what makes comrades the greatest marathon, uh, the most greatest road race in the world, or what, which is the greatest road race in the world? And the answer would be comrades. And, okay, so then why? Why? There's a thousand other road races out there. And there's a thousand other ultra road races throughout the world. There's lots that are much, much harder. There's much, there are many that are much, much longer. But none of those have got 20,000 people doing it. The camaraderie. None of them. I mean, you, you take a, a great ultra somewhere, and you're going to have a field of 400 or 300 or maybe 600 or whatever. It's, they're Mickey Mouse. Mm. We've got this incredible thing, 90 Ks over mountains, and there's 20,000 people doing it. it, it it's just, yeah. there's nothing like it in the world. So, so this year we have just under 16 people signed up to, to run the Comrades, which I think is, is absolutely incredible considering what, what we've been going through over the last couple of years with COVID and yeah. everything. Obviously, Davey being one of the the first-time novice runners. Uh, I mean, lots of novice runners out there. I think there's been a lot of time for people to build up towards this day. And where I'm going to with this is your, your first run. You, you say that that sort of lives in your heart forever. Oh, there's no doubt. Um, Nick, I'll often say to, to the novices that I, that I come across, if I'm talking to them in the morning or whatever, at a function, whatever, and somebody will say, no, they're a novice. Uh, when I do a lot of talks at clubs and things like that, I'll always say, who, who are the novices here? And I'll get a whole bunch of hands up. And I'll say, guys, I'm so jealous. They look at me like, I yeah. mean, you run 47 comrades, you're jealous. Of, you know? I said, I'm so jealous because you've only got one novice run. You're only a novice once in your life. It's the most, no, Debbie, it's the most incredible thing. You, oh. If you do not cry and you're coming <laughs> so, around that so, track at the end, you're not human. So you're not human. That's exactly what I wanted to ask you is, is tell us about the emotions because I know Nick's first run, Nick has warned me that I'm going to cry like a baby. Oh, and no Nick cried like a baby, but like I'm going for a sub seven or a silver medal, you know, so is there time to cry like a baby? <laughs> 
You'll cry when you come around that finishing track. Uh, there's no shadow of a doubt. You, there's not a lot of time for crying before the end because you're racing and you've got to have your wits about you and you've got to concentrate. So there's no too much time to let your emotions get carried away. But let them roll as you hit that ground. Uh, I promise you, you're not, I say you're not human if you don't cry. 47 comrades, there are many to, that to try and recollect what I did or what my time was or who I ran with, I'd have to go and look at the record books. I'd have to go and look at my whatever and to see. But that first one in yeah, 1973, yeah. I can remember huge chunks of that race, who I ran with, and I can remember every single step around the ground, every single step. And that's I'm so excited. 50 years ago. It's 50 yeah. years but ago. But now, I think I've got a bit of a problem because Comrades is on the 28th of August. My wedding is on the 15th of October. So if, if I cry at Comrades and I don't cry at my wedding, there's going to be, <laughs> gonna someone's going to notice. There's going to be trouble. Someone yeah, I, uh, being Catherine. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, can't, I can't take responsibility for the wedding, but I'll take, <laughs> okay. I'll take responsibility for the Comrades. Okay. So, <laughs> I always tell that one story to my friends of, I'll I'll never forget it. I was I just come down in Changa and I I just started cramping. I never cramped once in my training. I started cramping <laughs> down in Changa. That's like bloody halfway. Yeah. And now I haven't seen Leah, my, my <laughs> second there for like the last twenty k. She was supposed to see me in Hillcrest. She wasn't there. Now my race is going all over. Barry over here made me a nice race plan. These are the times I lost it going up in Changa. It was like a meter behind me. And I was like, no, there's no ways I'm going one meter back here. And I get down the other side of Changa and there's Leah. And I've just eaten like a peanut butter ball. And now it's like stuck at the top of my palate. And I'm seeing Leah and I'm trying to cry, but I'm like just wheezing because I can't get breath out. It was just, oh. So, was, so why do you think comrades are so hard? I mean, <laughs> that's what makes it hard, all these things. It's, it's emotional. It's the most emotional, emotional. day. Very, uh, very emotional. Because you pour so much into it, you know. Well, you know, a couple of years ago, my, my daughter Kath uh, ran with myself in Waza. And, and, I mean, she was absolutely incredible. She had a meltdown, it was a down run. She had a meltdown in, uh, at Drummond. And I think that was absolutely typical because uh, often new runners' uh, realisation, what you just said now, I'm, I'm only halfway, I'm feeling really tired i'm sore and i've got another one of this to do again plus a bit at the end and i think that can sometimes just be too much on your shoulders and you and she had a bit of a meltdown and then she got together and she was fantastic and all the way through to pine town and in pine town was her mom my, my ex-wife uh, and her husband and her sister i think yeah instant tears mm. as she saw the family instant tears it's that whole release you know because the family you can lean on the, the, the family, that's why it's not great for husband and wife, for example, often to run with each other. Because often you try and use that person as your emotional crutch. And you can't. You've got to fight this thing yeah. out there by yourself. You don't, it's not, but when you see them on the side of the road, absolutely. Yeah. That, 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 that's exactly why Leah is not doing it. But it's that, that motivation that's outside of what your own personal motivation is that I think pushes most people to actually complete the day. I mean, even today I was listening to a story that a friend of mine told me and uh, this lady that literally started Comrades without a, a month of training before, she couldn't train because she was injured and on the day she was like, I'm just going to try to do my best and she, she tried but she was sore and every time like she wanted to stop, she would like come around the corner and there'd be a husband and then come around the corner and there'd be a mom and then it would just be like, I can't stop with these people seeing me and ended up finishing. I mean, that the knee was a bust up, but you know, 
you, you get through these things. Our body is able to push through. Is that so? I, I've got this wonderful, it's not a theory, it's, it's knowledge uh, and uh, from experience from being on that course so many times. And the, the comrades spectators are absolutely fantastic. They're A, mostly very knowledgeable. So they know what you're going through. They know where you are. They know what you're, they know if you're coming past uh, Camperdown at a certain time, they'll look on their watches or whatever. They know that you're then running silver or you're out of silver or whatever. So they're knowledgeable and that's fantastic and, you, and runners appreciate that. But I think that you've got this instantaneous, gone and then gone again, relationship with almost every spectator. So you, you, we've got our names on our, on our numbers and stuff like that. So, so I'm lucky nowadays, mine is no number, it's just Big Barry, you know. <laughs> you know they, I've got to that point. So the boss. They, they, they just shout out your name and it's that instant little relationship. It, it's mm. a millisecond and then you're gone. Uh, but it's the, then the next one is started and it's like, it's just so amazing. The comrades, spectators will, what, you know, apart from your family, just those spectators drag you through. They're incredible. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. So, Barry, what's the, um, the cutoff for comrades at the moment? 12 hours. 12 hours. So yeah. then my question would be, in your opinion, what's harder, running a seven or an eight hour? Or, okay, no, no. What's harder, running a silver or doing it in 12 hours? Because 12 hours on your feet is, you know, it's 12 hours on your feet. Absolutely and right. And then just under seven hours on your feet is seven hours. So... So do you, do, what, in your opinion, like I, I have a lot of respect for people that are coming in just under, under 12. Absolutely, Dave. You, there's no, no shadow of a doubt. You're 100% right. There's a difference, obviously. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the person running seven hours or seven and a half hours are working very, very hard. So physically very hard and mentally very, very hard because to run a great time at Comrades, you need to be able to concentrate for a long time. If you just let your mind wander, yeah. uh, you won't run your time. You, if you're just suddenly off in the clouds sure. and thinking about this, you need to concentrate for seven hours and that's quite hard. <laughs> oh, shit. I mean, I couldn't... I, <laughs> I couldn't... I couldn't concentrate for five minutes at school, so now I've got to go this seven <laughs> hours out there. But you're 100% right in saying that, that you're off the road. So you start at half past five in the morning or whatever, and then you, you know, lunchtime you, you're having a beer. And the and other guys still yeah, out there, guys like me now, are, are still out there three, four, five hours later. You know. Yeah, the difference between a silver and 12 is five hours. Five hours. Yeah. That's longer than half a work day. That's a massive, it's massive. Five take hours. Out those guys. It's very hard out there. There's just time on your feet. I can't feet comprehend. Time on your feet. I think, like you say, Barry, it's just physically, it's so much tougher on the body to run that long. And also, it just tells you that, you know, perhaps your body wasn't 100% built. You didn't choose your parents correctly. Yeah. And unfortunately, you're probably doing that mostly with just utter passion and, and nothing much else so no, no, just 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 grit those, those, I, you know I, look i'm now one of those people i'm not in the 12 hour area but i mean i've never run over 11 so in the 47 runs i've never gone over 11 hours and i try and keep it that way if i can but but yeah it, it's very hard out there for that but the longer i i had a time of uh, 10 hours 14 many many years back and it was my slowest time for, I mean, I'd never run over nine hours at that stage. And I got shin splints. And I was running and I, I got to Pine Town with a down run, got to Pine Town. And, uh, and I had to walk home from there. Uh, I knew. I, I, Too I much could, pain. If anybody's ever had shin splints, you know, it's, it's got to be. I mean, lots of people listening to this sort of experience shin splints. It, it's, uh, it's just the sorest thing that you could ever, ever have in your life. And it's like somebody sticking a knife in your, in your shin. And, uh, and I, I, couldn't, I couldn't even run one step. Uh, and I walked home from Pine Town with a 
great mate of mine, a guy called Frankie Bethingsway, too, who is now since dead. Um, and, uh, and yeah, we have solved all the problems of the world. And, but <laughs> but why I was really so, so shattered by the time I got to Durban was, yes, my leg was incredibly sore. My, my leg was twice its normal size, but I had never been on my feet that long. I'd never run. I mean, I was running seven and a half hours, seven hours most years. And I was running at three least hours, three hours yeah. longer on, sure. on my feet. And I was shattered because of that. So would you rather run for 12 hours than give up? Would you, would you ever call it quits on, on, on route? On comrades? Yeah. Would I ever bail? Yeah. <laughs> no. So you would run full 12 hours, get disqualified. Even if like, you broke a leg, you would still... I would never bail. Never. And is, ne- that, I, is that because... I've only, I've, only ever bailed, I've only ever bailed two races in my life in, in 50 years of running. I bailed at two oceans deliberately before that shin splints run because my leg was already very, very suspect. And I, I knew that if I finished, then I wouldn't run comrades. So I, wouldn't, I wouldn't start comrades. So I, I got out of oceans at about the 27, 26K mark deliberately with a deliberate decision. That was before comrades. Yeah, before comrades. Yeah. yeah. So I, I made the decision. And then more recently, I had a terrible, terrible run up at Maritzburg and, and, and bailed off to the one lap. Uh, but I've only, I'm, I'm just not a bailer. I'm just, you know. And I mean, it's, it's crazy because I think that day is, is a day of such highs and such lows. It's just yeah. like this boxer that you go, you go, you, you knock it out and you think it's down and no, it just gets back up at you. And now you got to be able to knock this thing out eight, 10 times. And I think, you know, you, from what I read, you, you experienced those, those highs and lows, especially after your first comrades going from, from doing such a good time and, and hopefully going for silver next. I mean, how do you mentally prepare yourself? How do you mentally push yourself to, to go and run a PB for, for someone that is listening to this, wanting to, to run a PB comrades? Is there a mental tactic that you utilize or is it just pure grit? No, there's no shadow of a doubt that I always say that comrades is 70% in your head and 30% in your legs. Unless you've got a great head to take the pain, the grit side of, of things, you're never going to run well. You'll, you'll, you'll run okay, but you'll never achieve great times or you'll never tr- achieve your true potential because all our true potentials are different. You know, so, for, for some runner, breaking 10 hours might be his all-time incredible best, uh, but for others, you know, getting down to six hours, that would be you know, the same thing, but just different runners. But the mental side is absolutely critical. And what I would always do before comrades is I would, I would read books watch movies that that inspire me so i i used to i, I say to people go and go and watch braveheart go and watch i mean mel, mel gibson he's only two bricks in a tiki ha but when, when it's shot properly on on the back of a horse and he's he's riding up and down the, the troops and uh, and 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 he does the sons of scotland speech i mean if that doesn't inspire you nothing will so i i'd go and watch a movie like that or go and watch um Saving Private Ryan or, or, mm. or, or movies like that that just sort of get up and just kill the world and just, you know, get out there and, and, you know, climb over Everest like it wasn't there. That's what you need. And uh, in terms of books, uh, I always refer to a book called The Power of One by Bryce Courtney. Uh, just an incredibly inspiring book of a little guy who who comes up out of nothing. He, he, he grows up literally in the dust and he becomes a champion uh and i, I you i believe you must go and do those things go and go i, I used to tell guys a, a, um, a trick that i used to do for myself you take a post-it pad well I, we didn't have post-it pads in those days we had a, a little piece of paper and a piece of sticky tape and i used to write my time down and i want you to do this david write your time down 
<laughs> you, I know you haven't told me your time yet, but your honest time, not your, not your nonsense time, not the time that you would like the club to believe in, the time that's in your heart. You write that time, you're going to put it on your fridge. Go and put it on your mirror where you shave in the morning. Go and put it wherever, wherever you're going to see it, around your house. You want to see that time. You want to see that time. You, it is only that time. And that's what I say to runners. I used to get so annoyed with people that they'd say to me at talks, I say, Yeah, you've got annoyed with me what? a few times recently because you say, what are you going for? And I, I'm, I'm like, oh, I would like yeah. this. And you go, no. but you can't just like something. You have to believe in it. You've taken the words out of my mouth. You know, I'd like to go and have a cup of coffee. That, that's like <laughs> So then go do, have a that, cup of coffee. That's like to do something. If you're going to go and run a Comrade Sub 7, you've got to believe in it. Don't pussyfoot around, guys. 100. You see, unless if you go into Comrade saying, yeah, look, I'd like to run sub seven, but and you've got the, you've always got the back the, out. The, you've got, you've got the get, the get out of so jail. There's, there's no place for modesty. In the comments. room for error. No, you back don't. There's, there's no room for error. You, there's only one result on the day. You, you're going to do it, or you're going to bust doing it. So, do you think it's problematic that what I, what I've adopted is, I try and not overthink something. So, uh, sitting here right now. I'm not thinking about the comrades route or, or I haven't run the comrades right but like I'm trying to focus on the present and, and I, I, otherwise I psych myself out too much and I know other people who like know the route back to front they you know they, they can they can tell you a lot more about comrades and all that than, than I can I just I just know that I'm focused on my training and and that's all I'm focused on at this point do you think maybe I need to start you know, envisioning the the run more, or because the other thing is, I've never run more than say fifty six kilometers on road, or yeah, on road. We've done longer trail runs, but I've never done the distance. And and I also think maybe one of my issues is that I'm not comprehending this distance. You know, I'm doing my big mileage in, in the weeks, and I'm like I'm marathon fit, and my biggest concern is after like sixty k's, and I'm worried that I'm not mentally preparing for that big distance but how do you you know how do you go about when you're running 20 30 k's how do you prepare for 60 70 80 k's look it's a very good question and it's and it's a, a hard answer to find because you've you've not done it and yeah, exactly, it's that yeah. age-old thing you know well you know when you go and try and get a job with somebody and they say but you know you need you need experience you say well unless i get a job i can't get experience <laughs> so, so, so it's the same the same concept here you know running comrades but i haven't run comrades yet so so i understand that that point of view i would not fuss that too much because Training for comrades, which you're doing now and training very well with Nick, it's a layering effect. So you're doing 30 Ks and then you're doing 40 Ks and then you're doing, you know, 50 Ks and 55 Ks and you're doing your long runs during the week and stuff like that. That's all preparation for that big day and it'll come to you. It will come to you. What I really want you to rather, you see, you, you're worrying about more the physical side. I'm, I'm saying just you've got to prepare your mind. Got, yeah. get, got to get this head ready and you got to get motivated and and believe I, I i cannot if there was one word to encapsulate a comrades runner a successful comrades runner is belief belief, belief in your you must believe you that's what i'm saying it sounds stupid go and write that time down the I'm honest do time, that the honest time write it on a piece of paper stick it on your fridge stick it on your mirror where you shave believe in it if it's if it's 655 believe in it and i'll ask you a question now Dave. are you Prepare to go to Comrades and Blow. Oh, this is a loaded question. Give me a second to process this. 
But what do you mean by, am I prepared to go and blow? Well, I think it's one of the maxims of life here. If you're not prepared to fail, you're unlikely to succeed. So you say you can only have one time. So if your time six hours, seven hours, that's your time. So then can you go with a time in mind and say, I'm going to do seven hours, but I'm also prepared to blow? Does that- if you're prepared to blow then you've got every chance of running your, your 655, your seven-hour okay, time. Okay, so you've got to go there to give it everything. You give it everything. Yeah. There's no, there's no, you see, there's no plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D. I mean, the plan, plan B is the failure of plan A. Simple as that. And don't worry about failing because here's my point again. If you remember what I said to you, if you're not prepared to fail, you're unlikely to succeed because by, by saying that, I'm saying to you that you have be, you've got to be prepared to push yourself to the point of failure. I'm not suggesting you're going to fail, but you've got to push yourself to the point of failure because then you're getting the best out of yourself. You're getting everything out of what you've done. You're getting the best out of your training. You've trained so hard. You would have done, by the time you get to comrades, I don't know, you would have more than likely done over 2,000 Ks in training and, and you are prepared. Everything is there. You, if you do the mental side, everything is in place. Now it's no good going and saying, well, I, you know, I believe I can do 655, but let me rather go and run 720 because then I know I'm going to do 720. No way. Just no way. You've got to believe that you, whatever you set yourself, you've got to believe in that. Yeah, belief that, is, belief is critical. So your belief for your 626 that you eventually ended up running to 629. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in, in building up to that, there was many years where you ran consecutive silvers but weren't improving, and then all of a sudden took a big chunk out of that. I mean, was there a, a big element of overtraining in that? I think I heard you, overheard you saying on a run this morning that, you know, that what changed was actually you had to do less to, to, yeah. to for do me, better. Nick, for me, less, less was more. So, so I, I, I like to, and I, I use this in a lot of my talks, and I can change my talks around into talk to, to kids at school. I've often done talks at like places like Kirsty and stuff, and you talk to the schoolboys because you just change it all with the same principles. So in terms of a comrades runner, Three, three pillars, if you like. Three things that hold you up. Okay. One is your talent. Now, you can't change your talent. As you say, if you were lucky enough to pick your parents, you've picked your parents, you've, you know, Fordhouse picked the best parents in the world. I picked maybe quite good and some people picked not so lacquer, you know. So you can't change your, your talent. That was given it's in your genes. Okay, you can marginally change it slightly. Okay, then there's the, your head, your capacity, your ability to take the pain. How good is you? How, how much can you take? Because comrades, running comrades hard and fast is sore. It's properly sore. If you're running a downrun, we used to race the downrun, I would land up a cripple in Durban. For three days, I could barely walk. You know, I was like a cripple, you know, because that's what you've got to thrash your legs to go to. So how good is your head? And then you've got your training. So when I couldn't, and unpacking going back from the 629, when I couldn't get under seven hours, I'd run 709, nine minutes away from seven hours. And I, I, then I ran 711, 711, 712, 715, 712 again. I mean, I, year after year after year, I was all in that little zone. All great silvers, you know, great, well under silver time. Were you ever disappointed with any of those silvers? Yeah, I was disappointed with every single one of them that when I was going for seven. And, and I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. So one day I had a big sit down and I thought, you know, come on, you've got to be, you've got to be, you're not a stupid guy and you're not a stupid runner. Unpack this thing for yourself. So I said, my, my talent, I was given, I can't change it. I've got a, I know I've got a great head. I know I can take the pain. I've thrashed myself through, through down runs and whatever. I, I can take the pain. 
So the only thing that can, I can change to make a difference here is, is my training. And what comes back to is, is, is obviously Einstein's favorite saying mm. or famous saying about, you know, doing the same thing over and over and again and expecting a different result is the, is the definition of insanity. Because you can't be doing the same thing and get a different result. I was getting the same result, which was not breaking seven. So I was a Durban boy, yeah, born and bred. We, I came up the Durban way. And the Durban way was very much big kilometers, big, big Ks. In a critical time, in the critical last four weeks of your big training program, four weeks, I mean, I used to start on 160. The second week was 170. The third, 180. And the last week, 190 Ks. Now, those are big weeks. Eh? Mm. I mean, you're running... <laughs> running more than likely uh, six days a week, eight running sessions in a week. So it's a lot of kilometers. And I just thought about that and I thought, you know what? I, I think that if I, I try to think how I felt standing on the start line of comrades, and I remember standing there feeling tired. I was standing on the comrades' start line feeling tired. I thought, how can I go and run 90 k's here? Yeah, you're like another run. I, I'm, I'm tired already. Uh, uh, like, so this didn't make sense to me. And yeah, I was, I'd been chucked out of Region Harriers, not chucked out, chucked out in a nice way to go and run <laughs> up the road with, uh, with Billy DeSwart, who was like, that was considered the elite section of Region Harriers. And it, I, I was bunch, running with a whole bunch of gold medalists uh, and, and me, Kokololi, Barry Holland, you know. So I was running with a guy called Robbie Ashworth, came sixth at Comrades, Dave Wright, Dancing Dave Wright, you might have heard of him, second and third at Comrades, Barry Gerber, second at Comrades. Un- unbelievable guy. The, the New Zealander John McBreedy came seventh, I think, at Comrades, and me. You know, uh, you know. So I mean, I, I was hanging on by my fingernails most mornings. They, look, they taught me to run, but therein lay a problem. It was mo- it was exacerbating my problem of doing too much because I was now trying to live up to what Billy wanted out of me. I, a, a famous story I tell, I went down to run two oceans, the first oceans I ever ran. I ran my fastest time, which was 3.49. And Billy had said to me, Barry, I want you to run a 3.45. So I went down to oceans and I ran 3.49. I didn't think that was bad. I thought it was actually bloody good. Bloody I, good. I'll be honest with you. you know, How many thought, oceans? How many oceans have you run, Barry? 32, I think. Uh, yeah. So I thought I was fantastic. And, 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 went and there was no cell phone. I went and found a, a phone. Uh, no and, and cell phones. Yeah. No, no, there were no cell phones. Yet. No, no, this, cell phones only came to this country. Way, so you couldn't way. upload your own to Strava. <laughs> <laughs> what's, Nothing. What's the nothing. point? No, there were no cell phones then. So I, I phoned and I phoned Billy, and I, Billy, and he said, "How do you go, Barry?" I said, "I, I ran, I ran three forty-nine." He said, "I thought I said three forty-five. Put the phone down." <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, here's a young guy. I mean, that's that's the toughness of what I was growing up with. So. That exacerbated this problem of too much. I, yeah. I was always trying to be something I couldn't be. I, I didn't have their talent. I wasn't Robbie Ashworth. I wasn't Dave Wright. I wasn't a gold medalist. I mean, with the best will in the world, I was never going to be a gold medalist. So what I did is when I sat down, I said, okay, scrub those four weeks, make the four weeks seven weeks. I don't know how I picked seven. I just picked seven. <laughs> and don't go one step over 145 Ks. So no that- more 160, 170s, 145. And I went from 7.09 to 6.46, done. See, that's so fascinating because, I mean, I'm also like in the, in, this is my first training period for comrades and I'm, I'm trying to figure out what distance works for me. And you get, you get so sucked into the big weeks and big weeks for, I, I mean, we're not doing 190 hits. Mm. We're like maxing out at like 130 kind of at the moment. But I'm still like, I'm feeling it from like 130 and and I'm very competitive and Nick and I run together a lot. So like I'm constantly trying to like outrun Nick. And it's like 
I've got into a point where I'm just like, I can't miss a run tomorrow. Like, you know what I'm saying? And, I, and, and I'm feeling it. Like tomorrow I'm, I'm putting pressure on myself to do a certain distance and all of that. And I feel like I'm being, I'm being dragged away from comrades training to like, and I'm going week by week to run longer and longer and longer. And I know that as soon as I like drop below 100Ks, I'm going to feel like a little bit inferior or maybe my training's not correct. So it's just interesting to, to hear you say that obviously when you drop the mileage, you started performing better. Often, often less is more. Yeah, but often that's when you got to learn, you know, you got to learn. And, and Barry learned the hard way in that, yeah. in that sense. Many years. So many, you take many that, years. You yeah. take that experience yeah. and you, you got to make something of it. There's a point to talk about what Dave's saying as well. The, another thing that comrades runners like yourself as well must realize that this is the crunch time now of comrades training. We're in the absolute crunch time. This is the big time. We're in like nine weeks to go, hey. And therefore, if you're not running tired right now, you're not training properly. Cool. You should be running <laughs> I'm exhausted. <tired>. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I used to sometimes just sit back and, and think, you know, all I do is eat, sleep, run. <laughs> I've never been tired of running, Barry. I've never been like, I, don't, no. I, just, I just want to have a rest. I don't, want to have a, don't want to see your shoes again. No. Yeah. But, but you know that this time will come and this time will pass quite quickly because in, in yeah. nine, nine weeks' time, mm. you can put those shoes in the cupboard and not worry about it. Uh, you know yeah. what Nick said to me the other day? He, he, you were what? You were, tra- you had, you were going to the Berg mm. and then you missed one run because your, your calf was sore or something. And, and I had a little chirp on the side. I said something. And he said, you know what, Dave? When I look back on my comrades' training, after comrades is done, I'm not going to remember that one 12k run that i did that that really hurt me or whatever i'm gonna remember you know the bigger more constructive weeks and all of that so once again i think people get so caught up in it like you don't want to miss a day or you or or you you're building you're building on something so you don't want to ever go backwards that's how i feel at the moment i don't want to start going backwards on my kilometers but you've got to look at it holistically no i I, look i i think you've got a training program uh, you start with a training program in front of you. I like to have a program that goes right through to comrades. So it's a complete journey. It's a, it's, it's a complete map. And obviously, it's always got to be dynamic. So you've got to be prepared to change it and tweak it along the way. So it can't be cast in concrete, you know, but, but it's got to be a, a, a map. And, it, and you should be following that training program because if, if you wrote it or you accepted it, shall we say, for yourself, then, then you, must be, that you must then follow it. You, mu- you must do the work on that program. But you also can't be a slave, a complete slave to it. And as I said, that's why I say it is dynamic and you must be able to change it. And you, a clever runner will always listen to their body as well because there's going to come times that there's other factors coming in, work mm-hmm. factors, work overloads, emotional factors within relationships, all those kind of things suddenly put pressures on you and then the training load suddenly gets to you. And at times like that, you need to listen to your body and not try and push through ridiculously yeah. and force yourself into injury and stuff like that and fought yourself fought us uh, taught us so many lessons but the, one of the lessons that he taught us was that you know guys when you get the plods and we all know what the plods are when you get out there and you're running and all you can feel like is you're actually plodding you know i mean you're not running i've you, never heard that terminology but as soon as you, you said it i'm you, like that's that's exactly you, what i've been doing you, i've been you, plodding along you got the plods now he said if you carry on training at the same intensity the only thing you're going to get after the plods is the super plots. That's all that's going to happen. You're going to get the super plots. And, and, and Mega plots. So, so you, need to, you need to listen to your body as well. It's so, I've always thought that I was a clever runner. I've listened to my body my whole running career and I've 
had so few injuries in 47 years and by listening to my body. You know? uh, your, your running longevity has honestly been second to none, Barry. It's, it's absolutely incredible. For, for a guy, I mean, what is, tell the listeners your, your height and weight. I mean, when you were prime yeah. fighting <laughs> weight, your best so, all the years. So I've got a picture here. I was I was a touch under six foot three when I was running comrades. I was rocking a mozzie. Sticking six foot two and three quarters. I've I've shrunk a bit now because I'm seventy now. But but when I but when I was racing comrades, I ra- I weighed eighty seven basically eighty seven kilos. That's yeah. a big boy. It's heavy for a runner. And 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 I mean, Fordas ran won all of his <laughs> nine comrades at fifty one. Uh, you know, so that's one one of my legs. So that weight, running down. On a down run. This year, this year we got a down run. I'd like to just unpack the the root of a down run for for our listeners. Uh, give them a little bit of uh, sort of what to look forward to. A little of, uh, idea of how to structure a race plan for the big down run. What would be your advice? So, the the best advice I can give a, a new runner is first of all to plan your race. So exactly what that plan is, uh, you know, it would differ so much from runner to runner, from the times you're going for. But today we've got club structures and we've got, you know, really experienced club captains and, and knowledgeable club captains. You know, you're not comrades experienced, but, you, but you're highly knowledgeable as a, in terms of the job you do on a daily basis, etc. So you, there's, so many, there's so many inputs to you as a runner today uh, that, uh, and, and so many running blogs and, and and people like Lizzie Perry, you Podcasts. do, you know, whatever, 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 whatever. So, so you can you can plan your race with a lot of inputs into it. So, my advice to people first of all is plan your race and then race your plan. Don't deviate from your race. Plan your race and then race your plan. You must have, for example, a halfway time. You must have a halfway time. I used to use running silver. My magic time was three thirty-seven. Three thirty-seven through the half, and I knew that I was on track for, unless everything blew up in the second half for some strange reason I'd be on track and, and, and I'd be golden at the end Is that specific to the down run? No both ways Just I used to use it both ways the, the up run is compensated by the fact that it's 3k shorter but yeah you've got many more mountains so, so the mountains are slowing you down the big hills are slowing you down but uh, in terms of planning for that down run you, you need to leave uh, something in the legs for after Hillcrest because from Hillcrest down to uh, right down to to Westville, if you like, sure. is absolutely fantastic. It's fantastic running country. I mean, that, that's where your silver will be made or lost, or your time we made a loss to you. That's where you race. That's where you really race. That was a scene, if you like, of of perhaps the greatest dice in comrades' history when when Fordyce and Alan Robb went head to head, side by side, racing at three thirty a k. I mean, three. They'd run. They run sixty kilometers, and they're racing at three thirty a k for something like fifteen k's. They raced side by side. Bruce eventually won that day. Alan dropped back and then came back and, and ran second. But uh, you know, and it's known as maybe possibly the greatest dice in, in in comrades history. But that downhill from there, I've got memories, Nick, of of racing the the down run, and from Westville going down, 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 down to forty fifth cutting. And just your the pain just washes over you. This is waves of pain just washing over you. It's Sounds like, delightful. It's, it's, it's delightful, isn't it? Yeah. It's, and if one of the pillars that holds us up as runners is how good is your head? How much can you take the pain? You but, want that pain. You uh, it, you wear it like a badge of honor. You wear that pain like a badge of honor. Earned and, it. And, and you have to you have to wear it. And you have so uh, planning that race on the down run. Yeah. Uh, you know just. 
the, the first half of the down run is, is lovely. It's really, really very kind to you. Some uphills, but nothing massive. And then you just got to understand, and then the second half, you, your, your legs are going to get very, very sore. So you have to keep something in, in, in the bag, you know. So you would save something for that, those big hills through the sort of middle uh, area of the down run. Yeah, you know, as a, if, you, if, you, if you're at silver level at Comrades, then, then none of the hills are going to scare you. You've run, you've run bigger hills in your life and, or you've run big hills like that in, all, in your training. I mean, we run here in Belito. My yeah. God, we, we are, we are blessed because we run hills every day of our lives. I mean, there's, we used to have, when we ran up in Joburg, the guys from uh, Boxburg and stuff, they used to come into bed for view on a weekend to come and run because there's no hills in Boxburg. I mean, it's just flat as a pancake. So they had to come in and run hills. So we're blessed down here. But as you're prepared. By, by the time you get to Comrades and you're a silver runner, uh, you, 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 those mountains are not going to scare you. But, but you've got to leave something. And, and you've also got to have something ment- left mentally. That's, that's the, I can't come back to this enough. It's, mm. it's so mental. And, 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 you know, you spoke about me giving you that chart. <laughs> and, and, I, and I've worked those charts out over the years. And those charts are not arithmetic. Uh, arithmetic charts a waste of time. It's, it, that chart is built on, on the course, first of all. Uh, so it slows you down when you're going up a lot of big mountains. And it also slows you down as you're getting further and further into race because that's quite natural you're going to slow down. That's, uh, that's obvious. So, again, have that chart. You, that is that you've got that chart. That chart's guiding you. And what's great about the chart is now it plays back into the mental side is when you look at the chart and, and – you, you feel like maybe you're slowing down and oh, this, is, you know, this is terrible, my time is going. Then you look at the chart and you're on time. You say, oh, that's fantastic. That's incredible because mm-hmm. the chart is slowed down. You, it, the chart knows that you're slowing. I know. I wrote the chart. I know that you're slowing down. And I know that mentally you're going to start to bash yourself because you say, oh, you know, I'm supposed to be running 440 a K or something like that. And I'm, I'm running 510 a K suddenly. But the chart has allowed you to run 510 a k. Sure. So, so it, then, then you're back on top again. Mm. The, the best thing as a, as, a, as a runner looking for a time is to be on time or ahead of time in the last 20 k's. Then you are like Superman and all the great heroes and, and <laughs> rolled into one. You, you don't want to be chasing a time. No, yeah, you, no, if you get behind, the negative comes in. When, when you get behind, oh my goodness, then you, yeah. Then you're going to start a battle. Barry, um, this is a bit of a controversial, controversial question, but uh, what's harder, up run or down run? Okay, so uh, a double answer. When I was racing comrades, the down run for me was definitely harder. As we said, I was a reasonably heavy guy for, for, for comrades, and, I was, and I'm tall. So, you know, my back and my legs used to get absolutely shattered on the down run racing comrades. But now that I've got older and I'm no longer racing comrades and it's more like survival, it's easier to get down a hill than up a hill. <laughs> because <laughs> logic dictates. <laughs> logic dictates. So now for me, the down run is easier, whereas before it used to be harder. So do you think Nick, Nick and I are in for, I mean, you, so you've done an up run, Nick? I've done an up run. So you've never done a down run. Interesting. This is a back-to-back and it's an interesting back-to-back because usually back-to-back insinuates that, you know, it's back-to-back years. But because of COVID, my, my first run was in 2019 and now it's been two years and i mean to mention that barry no, this no, would have no, been yeah. barry's 50th, 50th comrades yeah, yeah. if it wasn't for bloody covid covid yeah, yeah so now we're just gonna have to extend that by a couple of years eh, barry yeah yeah and but just go back to your to your up run and down run situation and 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 what you are going to find is you now running a down run is they are totally different races 
You, are you, I mean, it's on the same piece of tar. It's on the R103. It's on the same road. It's on the same piece of tar. But it, it's like light years apart. <laughs> light years apart. I can imagine. That's how different it is. Because, you know, the first half of the uprun is got to be the hardest marathon in South Africa. More than likely in the world. As a, as a big mass participation marathon. Must be the hardest marathon, certainly in South Africa. There's no harder to run. That's the first, and then you've got another marathon to run afterwards. The first half of the down run is fantastic. It's easy. The second half, when you're smashing your legs, becomes very, very hard. So it's, they're two totally, totally different races, you know. Yeah. Brilliant. Barry, I just want to sort of get, get into the closing remarks of, of our chat tonight. Bigger than comrades, isn't it? Like the, the outcomes from the training, the years of going through the processes, the, the, the mental toughness, uh, everything that's learned on the road. I mean, it's not just about running, is it? What, what else uh, have you learned from that? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be massive life skills for any individual. There's no shadow of a doubt. You know, for me, I think that if you become a successful comrades runner, uh, what you'll be doing is, is putting into your life or practicing uh, so much of what you did in training for comrades. And that just comes back to determination and commitment. Davey spoke about just now about getting up at four o'clock in the morning and half past four and five o'clock in the morning and three o'clock in the morning sometimes. Absolutely ridiculous. When, when the rest of the country is, is, is sleeping and you out there, you know, that, that takes a massive amount of dedication. Transport yourself to doing that for a couple of months of winter in Johannesburg <laughs> at, at, at one degree. And, and if the wind blows or the wind chill factor and it's minus three, you must know how, what kind of commitment and dedication that takes. So you take those back into your life. And then you'll find that in your business life, then you know, things aren't as hard because, because your sport is so hard. So you, you parlay that back into, into your business life and, and you find that that same commitment. I, I used to work at, at often three, half past three in the morning at home doing quotes. I was in the printing business and, and, and we had to do our quotations and, and we did them all manually, you know, doing it on a computer then we did it all manually. And I would do that at three o'clock in the morning quite happily because I had that, com that dedication of getting up early to go and run. So, mo so why not just get up and work? And, you know, so, so I've, I, like a lot of people now with how, what's come into, into play in, in our modern business life now is, is a lot of work from home, a huge number of people working from home. And not everybody can do it successfully because they're not dedicated, they're not, they're not committed and, and, and dedica yeah. dedicated to, to, to be able to do that. I can. I, I, I'm not going to go and make tea every five minutes or go and have a swim or whatever. If I'm working from home, I'll work. I'll work and I'll work and I'll work until my work's finished. So there's lots of great lessons that, uh, that come through that, that you've used in your sport to make it successful. You use in your life and your, and your business especially, I think, to make yourself successful in business as well. Just talking about Johannesburg quickly, I was in Joburg uh, this weekend and I did one run there on Sunday. And I don't know if I'd be a runner if I was in Joburg during winter. I, I mean, we are lucky to be in Durban with this, with this uh, weather that makes our comrades training, to, I think, a lot easier. Because let me tell you, like, <laughs> minus one, minus two makes, like, the 3 a.m., you know, the 3 a.m. here we, or 4 a.m. here, we, like, we put a jacket on and we, 
we're fine. But there, you put a jacket on, you put it's a horrible. beanie on, you it's put horrible. leggings on, you put tarts on, you put gloves on, and you're and still, you're still cold. cold. Very cold. So, so there's a body of thought at the moment, which I, I support to a large extent, is that you know, we got 15,800 entries into Comrades this year, and they were looking for 20,000. Uh, 40 to 45% of Comrades comes from Gauteng, the entries. Now, there's a, bunch, there's a lot of people saying up in Gauteng that there's a lot of people that just said, no, we can't, we can't train right through winter. So what we used to do, we had a couple of months of winter. We went out of summer da, da, and then into winter, and, and, but we and could, we, minutes, we could yeah. handle that because we'd had the great mornings. We had the wonderful mornings when it was warm and you're running without a shirt sure. on. And it was lovely. Now they're required to train right through winter. And All their training. That's because of the tra- change of date change of date yeah. so, so there's, a, there's a body of thought that says listen guys you, you, you're destroying your karting component of your entry and, and that's why one of the reasons might be why you only got 15,800 instead of, of 20,000 yeah. 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 yeah interesting other, other big reason was cost as well yeah, no, yeah. I mean, twelve hundred. the price. Yeah, twelve hundred bucks, Davey for a for a big segment of our running population. For sure, it's just unaffordable. Yeah, massive. A guy, a guy earning four five thousand rand, if that, in a month. Yeah. Where do you find twelve hundred rand? Hundred percent. It's twenty five percent of your wealth. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, just you know. So, so there's a whole bunch of factors. Um, but but yeah, um, we we I'm sure we're going to sort these things through. Comrades yeah. needs sponsorship again and all yeah. of those things. It's know, been so. it's been a tough tough years for South African running scene. I mean, running scene overall. Absolutely. And I, I think we're just blessed to be able to to hit the tar again. Well, you know, Nick, I'm I'm thrilled because you know I'm not getting any younger. Uh, I'm 70 now, and I've still got to get to that 50. And I'm going to get to 50. There's no shadow of a doubt. I mean, yeah. they're going to have to break my legs about it, you know, ah. before I get to, you know. But, but I mean, it is getting a little harder. Uh, yeah. I'm running better now, but it's getting a little harder. And I, it would be so great if I was running my 50th this year, and then I could then I could reserve the right to make that decision. Now, do I give up, or or do I maybe do yeah. one more year or whatever? There's no, I don't have that decision. I don't have that option right now. I'm going to 50. And I'll only be 72 when I get to, when I get to 50. So, yeah. Well, definitely yeah. The, the fittest 72-year-old I know. <laughs> so, are you talking about breaking legs? I'm looking at a picture here in your book. It's called The Holland Roll. Yeah, that was that was a six twenty nine. Yeah. <laughs> was that the six twenty nine? And, a roll over and the there's a picture here of, is that a, what, a referee? Well, that, that's such a great story that, you know, what, what happened is, and there's a little, I know we haven't got much time, but there's a, 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 just a quick little story about that. As you know, I had, I had done so much to get to the 629. I'd, I'd had a golden year. I'd done everything right. I'd gone to the gym. I, I hate the gym. I absolutely hate the gym. <laughs> no, Nick knows that. I don't even come to see you. I hate the gym. I like his style. <laughs> I hate the gym. Um, but I'd gone to my doctor. We'd had blood tests. I had a great running partner by the name of Clive Gilman, and we ran uh, together, Clavi was uh, was incredibly talented. He was a rowing springbok. He's a trident rowing springbok. He's got his springbok blazer. So a very very talented uh, young guy. And uh, and we trained together and we'd done everything together. We'd gone to our doctors and blood tests and done the whole story and everything. So the the six twenty nine was a was a program was a process was a it wasn't just one of those years. Oh well, this year we're going six twenty nine was the year sort of thing. So. That finally went into Comrades Day itself. Uh, sadly, I left Clive at, uh, at um, Elveston, going up Elveston, and, and I ran on. And uh, towards the end, the last 12Ks, uh, I, had, I remember I had to run the last 12Ks at 4.30 a K uh, to get home. 
and and I was it was like running in a tunnel. It just was like the grey just like came in on both sides of me, and I just I didn't see anybody. I didn't see her on the side of the road. I was running in this tunnel, and it was just this absolute one hundred percent concentration. I was concentrating like like I never concentrated at school. Like I said, I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I didn't concentrate at school, but I was in this tunnel. So there's a theory. I've crawled on the track. A girl by the name of Priscilla Carlisle has crawled on the track. A guy called Derek Tivers has crawled on the track. And every one of us has been in exactly the same position. And that position is as you come around the track, comrades, all you come around a track and then you normally take like a right-hand bend or left or right or whatever, and then there's the finish line. And the theory is, and I don't think it's so much of a theory, I think it's, a, it's actuality, is that you, you've been working so hard mentally and you come around that final corner with 50 meters and you finally see the finish and the mind disconnects. <laughs> Not the legs, the mind disconnects because the mind says we've made it. There you uh, go. Yeah, there it is. We're home. I'm done. We are there. There's the finish. Yeah, We're home. You We're sort home. yourself out. And the mind, if the mind disconnects, that disconnects the legs straight away. And every one of us have gone down in the same position. So what happened before those four photographs, that lovely sequence, which, by the way, that was syndicated around the country. Uh, a mate of mine from Nelspray well, phoned me and he said, you're, you're on the front page of the Nelspray Times this or whatever is, it was called. This is called a meme. Yeah, yeah. Get, <laughs> click, the, click the watch, yeah, yeah. complete the roll, yeah. stop and, the clock in 6.29.22, so stretcher I, I, on the way. On, on, <laughs> that, on that corner I went down and I remember being on off my hands and knees and I was looking up at the clock. And as I looked up at the clock, it clicked over 6.29. I can remember it to this day. It clicked over 6.29. And my mind, you know, my mind was still working. I mean, I was still very compass mentis. And I just looked at this clock and I looked at the finish line and where I was. And I was more than likely, I don't know, 40 meters or whatever. 20, 22 seconds. <laughs> and I worked, I worked out that I could not crawl. I could not crawl that distance. I wanted to crawl, but I couldn't crawl that distance in the time and break 6.30. So I willed myself up. I absolutely just willed myself up off the thing. And I ran a sort of a bit of a stagger run. And as I got to the line, it was all over. I was, now, I was absolutely exhausted. Was, was Chariots of Fire playing in, in the back of your head? Every, I, everything, David. Everything was playing in my head. I was just, I, but I was absolutely exhausted. And I, that's where that picture is where I'm clicking my watch as I'm going over the line. And that guy's just a, he's just a helper. He looks like he's signaling a try. You are, you are on the floor yeah. dying and he's got his big uh, beer bop and he's just he's got like, his hand so out. He was, he was calling, like, he was calling oh, the, 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 he was calling the furniture. Uh, the, the, yeah, the, the yeah, yeah. I need some assistance. This guy needs yeah. help. Yeah, yeah. Harry, yeah. to just uh, leave some parting words, some, some tips, I'd say. Your top your, three. Your top three tips for. Barry's top tips. Barry's top tips for comrades. For comrades. Well, one I'm going to repeat is that, you know, plan your race and race your plan. That uh -huh. is absolutely critical. I'm, in fact, I'm going to repeat them because we've actually discussed them all. Yeah. Uh, so that's number one. Number one is you, 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 I don't want to hear Davey saying he'd like to do something. So there's not, it's, not, it's not like, it's plan and then execute the plan. Okay. And die trying. Die trying. Option yeah. A, option B, option C. There's only option A. There's only option A. Yeah. So, so, okay. Because okay. so, option B, I've told you, is a, fa yeah, no, a yeah. fail of, of option A. The, the, the second one is, is you've got to be mentally prepared. And therefore, do those little mental tricks. Do, do them. Go and read the book. Watch the movie. Whatever lasts your fire. You the know, power of one. The power of one. Bryce Courtney. Just you know, listen. To, uh, follow the story of PK. His name's PK. Little PK. Yeah, he's just. I mean, it's unbelievable. 
how, how, how he rises up in life and what he faces and how he, he overcomes. You have to overcome. Comrades is a living, breathing monster. You have to control it on the day. You have to master it. If you don't, it'll eat you alive on that day. And so, so, so definitely planning, certainly the mental approach. And, and I think the last thing is to go to comrades, as crazy as this sounds, but to have fun. It's, yeah. it's, it's an awesome day. It's the best. And, and just go and love it. And as the novices, I mean, Dave is a novice. I am I probably, I'm jealous. I'm really jealous because that, when you come around that track, there's nothing like it on God's earth. There's nothing like it. I, I, I want to leave us today with the words of the nine-time comrades winner straight out of your, the foreword of your book saying, Barry's greatest achievements have, have not been his own. Literally dozens of runners have achieved their own goals and dreams and running because of the firm and guiding hand of Barry Holland. It is as a coach, mentor, amateur running psychologist that Barry has made his greatest contribution. It is for his caring attitude that he is best known as the African world of running. I mean, words like that coming from the, the, the great man himself, they must, they must weigh quite a Can bit. Can we of. please insert chariots of fire just in the background <laughs> while you are reading Yeah, we'll, we'll speak to the Look, yeah. I had to pay my mate Make a lot happen. of money to, <laughs> to write that. But uh, I, I'll leave you with a lovely story. We were finishing Omni Dam. Um, out at um, at the dam at in Pretoria, you know, uh, Hardybersport Dam, and uh, the beautiful run called Omdi Dam, uh, and uh, we were uh, Bruce was finishing down the track, and we had this really be- Bruce has got a real eye for lovely blonde young blonde <laughs> ladies. I mean, he's got a super eye for, and and uh, she was running down the and her name is uh, Lane Den Hunt. Uh, uh, I think it's uh, Belgium. Lane, that's L-A-N-E, I think, uh, Den Hunt. She's running on a beautiful girl, running down the track, and our Bruce runs up next to her and says, um, ah, I see you in JP Colors. Um, uh, do you know Barry Holland? So she says, oh, yes, I know Barry. He's a legend. So he says, oh, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So he says to Lane, well, would you just tell him that I said hello. <laughs> so uh, Lane took, looked at him and said, um, yeah, sure. What's your name? <laughs> oh, oh, there you go. Oh, Barry, you, you are. Heard it first. <laughs> you are an absolute legend, man. Thank you so much for coming on today. I think what you've, what you've said today has hit the nail right on the head for so many runners ar- around our country waiting and in anticipation for this great day. And it couldn't be better heard coming from from your mouth so thank you so much thank you barry a pleasure and good luck guys yeah. you must we'll smash see you it. there you must smash it we'll you see. must smash it yeah. we'll see you yeah. there cheers buddy once again guys thank you so much for listening to another episode of making a runner if you enjoy this podcast you can listen to it on spotify apple music and radio life and style and don't forget to give us a follow on instagram at making a runner to follow the journey of our guests and our podcast and catch up on the latest news. Bye for now. Cheers, guys.